0: My name's Steve, I'm one of the pastors here, and um, we are kind of coming to the end, or towards the end, of a teaching series that we've been doing here on a Sunday morning. It's the penultimate. Um, some of you are breathing a sigh of relief. Um, you're fed up with me banging this drum. Um, but we're kind of just doing this teaching series, thinking about what it means to be fully alive. Um, if you've missed anything that we've said, you can check us out, check out the podcast, go to SoundCloud, go to uh, the website, whatever it might be. Um, you can catch up with what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Um, but essentially, we've just been thinking about what would it look like uh, for, for 2017 to be a year where we, where we discover life in a, in a new way, in a fresh way? What would it mean for us to become uh, fully alive. And the, um, the springboard for that has been this, uh, this quote from the French saint Irenaeus that says, the glory of God is man fully alive. And so that's what we've been thinking about, this idea that God is fully committed to us becoming fully alive, that, that our lives and his glory are somehow intertwined, that, that, that God is kind of seeking after us in such a way that um, we would experience a fullness of life. Uh, but living life in its fullest sense isn't, doesn't mean that we live a problem-free life. It doesn't mean to say that there won't be trials, there won't be things and situations that come into our life uh, that are challenging. It just means that we're learning to do life and discover a fullness of life in the midst of that. Uh, that, that we kind of, we're trying to figure out how do we do life in the midst of blessings and battles. And, and you know, the, the, the picture we've been using is a, a picture of like two tracks, that life is lived on on two tracks. There's the track of, of blessing and, and the track of battles, that we can, we can experience, you know, blessing in our life. There can be great things going on, yet at the same time, uh, there'll be challenges, there'll be things uh, that are pressing against us, things that come against us in different ways, adversity and pain and suffering. And, and so we kind of live, live our lives in these, in these, on these two tracks all of the time. That's, that's kind of a reality. And, and so as we've been doing that, we've just been thinking about what does it mean to be spiritually and emotionally and a physically well? <laughs> that, that we need to invest in all of those areas of our lives. And we said the framework for that, um, as, as people pursuing Jesus, the framework for people who are, are learning to uh, follow him, is to live our lives in, in at least three dimensions. And we talk about living our life in an upward dimension. That's about our connection to God. And we talk about living our life in an inward dimension. <laughs> that's, that's about our character. It's about the kind of people we're becoming in the context of, of a community. And then we talk about a, an outward dimension to our life. That, 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 we're, that we're called to be people who uh, follow our calling to God's mission. Uh, that, that we're to be people who see God's kingdom come and break into the places that we inhabit. Uh, that we want to see the kingdom advancing in our midst. We want to see our city transformed. And, and so we, we recognize that that's what disciples do. They live in these three dimensions. And we've just been thinking about that in some different ways. We we were thinking, initially thinking about that, that we, kind of, we find a fullness of life when we learn to think differently, um, that Romans says that we need to be transformed by the, the renewing of our minds, that we need to think differently about who God is and, and who we are. Uh, and, and then you might remember we talked about fullness of life being found in an absence of hurry. Uh, that that in in a world that's constantly on the move, in a world that's constantly moving and making demands on us, that you and I need to learn to find rest. We need to learn to find those places where we can come and just um, do nothing. We need to learn the habit of Sabbath. We need to learn ways of practicing silence and solitude and, and learning to take a break. You remember the challenge was to start with just have a lunch break. And some of you have been telling me, just, just taking the time to switch off your computer screen or walk away from your desk or put down your tools and have a lunch break, it's, it's revolutionary. It's transforming. And then you might remember we talked about the, the health of our church is only as healthy as the families that are in it. Uh, and, and, and so we made this kind of audacious claim that, that the building block... Is, is the family units. And that, that actually, as people, we're to be investing in our families, that we're investing in our relationships as, as married couples, that we're investing in our kids and, and, and wanting to see uh, God do amazing things in the lives of our families because our church is only as healthy as our families. And then last week, we were talking about what it means to be a church family. Um, What does it mean for us to take the risk of commitment? You know, in a commitment-phobic age, what does it mean to make a commitment? You might remember the challenge was to join a connect group. Um, And so there's still time. Uh, You can still do that. There's still space. Uh, So feel free to to sign up uh, to a connect group. This week, I want to revisit an area that we've talked about uh, quite a bit in the past, um, I, I just think if we're going to live a fullness of life, this is a subject that we have to talk about, uh, and I want to talk about work. Um, and so you see, because work and how we understand work is is really an important factor in being fully alive. You see, other than sleeping, uh, the the other thing that you probably do the most is work in whatever form that that takes. You know, one of the main things that you spend your life doing is work. Some of you are feeling a bit depressed about that now. Um, but the, the main thing you're going to do this week is, is, is your job. And so if we want to be people who are experiencing life and a fullness of life, it has to involve our work. It has to involve, involve what we do. So many of us will spend the next 30, 40, 50, 60 hours doing our jobs. And that's just work that you get paid for. Um, many of us have full-time jobs looking after our families, you know, looking after our kids, looking after our homes, uh, taking care of loved ones. And actually, that's your job. That, that's, that's, that's work too. As one Times article stated, it said, stay-at-home mums or dads, just to be politically correct, um, if they were paid to do the job that they do, it would be around £78,000 per year. And some of you are like, when am I getting paid? <laughs> where, where, when's that going to happen? Now, I'm conscious when we talk about work. Um, some of us... Uh, struggle with our jobs. You know, it's, it's Sunday morning now, you're feeling okay, and then you come to church and they talk about work, and then all of a sudden that, that Sunday night blues uh, kicks in. I don't know if any of you ever felt uh, Sunday night blues. I never do because Monday is my day off, okay, just to rub it in. But, um, uh, but maybe, um, you know, tonight... When you're ironing your shirt or you're just getting your work ready for the week ahead, as you get into bed, there's a sense of dread. Like, I've got to go back to that place tomorrow. I've got to, I've got to sit in that office again tomorrow. I've got to interact with that boss that just drives me insane. Others might find their work stressful. Um, you, you may have a boss who's putting you under a lot of pressure. Or you might be a boss who's carrying a lot of pressure. Yet at the same time, some of us, we love our work. We love what we do. Some of you are like, I can't wait to be in that office tomorrow. I can't wait to be doing my job. That there's a sense of fulfillment in what you do. You love what you do. And so there's so many extremes in a room this size about how we might feel about what we do uh, with a big portion of our time. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to Ephesians 6. I'm going to um, set the scene a little bit for us today, and then we're going to interview some folks uh, who I'm going to invite up in a moment. But... um, I just want to set the scene, really, and just kind of talk a little bit, I guess, about our theology, our understanding of work. Um, So Ephesians 6, verse 5, it says, Slaves, obey your earthly master with respect and fear and with with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes are on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the lord not people because you know that the lord will reward each one of you whatever good they do whether they are slave or free now that that word slave is a little bit uncomfortable isn't it um you know particularly when we talk about modern day slavery when we talk about slavery of the past um but actually, that word slavery is helpful to put into uh, a context. Um, you see, slavery, uh, in the perspective of this, this passage of Scripture, uh, in the culture of the Roman Empire, um, actually, s- the, a slave was really something more that looked like the war- workforce, the, the occupation uh, of the day. That, that actually, many of the jobs that we think about now Um, uh, they they were the jobs that so-called slaves did. And so, you know, slaves, they weren't necessarily treated the way we might think in our minds. Uh, They had food, they had shelter. Often they lived in a level of comfort, and and in return for their services, uh, slaves might hold property. Um, uh, which, which was owned by the person who, who owned them, belonged to their master. But they were allowed to use that as they, as they were liked. They had, they had families there. Uh, they were often skilled and educated people. They were uh, able to own, uh, earn their own money um, because the idea was that one day you could buy your freedom. Uh, That doesn't mean to say they were completely free. Uh, They were still the property uh, of the household, uh, of the the master. Um, But it's safe to say that the slaves that are being addressed uh, in this portion of Scripture um, are are really the workforce of the day, uh, not somebody who's oppressed necessarily or enslaved. And so just to clear that up, um, I guess a good question to to start with as we think about work is who are we working for? Who are we working for? It says in verse 7, he says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. In other words, as, as those who follow Jesus, those who uh, will call ourselves Christians, whatever label you want to give yourself, the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus is your boss. He's your boss, okay? You, you might think you have a boss, but actually Jesus is your boss. And he's also the boss of your boss, whatever it is you do, uh, wherever you find yourself. And so as we explore this subject of work, I think it's important to know that there are some unhealthy ways that we can approach the idea of work, particularly as people who are trying to follow Jesus. We can, we can sometimes get a skewed perspective on work. And so the first uh, would be this idea of gaining identity uh, and a sense of worth from our jobs. Often people who think this way are fairly driven sort of, you know, uh, the type A personality. They, they work hard. They work to high standards. They rarely switch off. They, they deliver, you know, a, a 150%. Um, and, and if you're the boss of a person like this, you know you can rely on them. <laughs> you know that this person's always going to get their work done. The problem is with this kind of person is that work consumes them. And so they have... Uh, the type of personality where work takes over family life, it interferes with spiritual life, because everything they do revolves around work, because it's the place where they're gaining identity. And, and, and so their identity is found in their work. And what tends to happen is that when work is going really well, a person like this feels really good about themselves. They feel really great and Everything is going well. But the problem is, is, is when work's a little bit tougher, when, when things are not going so smoothly, it has, a, it has the opposite effects. They, they end up feeling really down. They end up feeling really discouraged uh, about their work. And, and you see, this mentality uh, flows out of the fact that we can often uh, define ourselves by what we do. And we do it all the time, don't we? We always define ourselves by what we do. You know, you're, you're in new social situations and you, and you chat to someone and after they've said, what's your name, they say, what do you do? Um, you never have conversations like that. No. Um, but we all have conversations like that, don't we? We all have conversations where we define ourselves by what we do. So our identity is found in our activity. And so you're like, I'm, I'm so-and-so and I'm a teacher or... You know, uh, you know, or I'm a, I'm a postman or an accountant or a designer or a business owner. We kind of, we define ourselves by what we do. Now, that might be just, you know, social engagement. It might just be a way of breaking the ice. But often, our identity is caught up in what we do, the things that we do. And, you know, the things, when we do that, when we... When we when we kind of gain our identity from something, when we when we give ourselves to something in that way, the Bible often refers to those things as idols. Now, there are loads of things in our lives that can be idols. Uh, often they can be the good things of life. They don't have to necessarily, you know, be golden calves that we, you know, we smelt gold and make a golden idol or anything like that. It doesn't have to be that. It can be the good things of life we can turn relationships into idols we can we can make our children idols can't we you know that you know as parents the temptation is to think I I can only do good by my kid if I give them everything they want and need and what happens is we become slaves to the little dictator in the room (laughs) and um and, and and so our kids can become idols um Money is an obvious one, isn't it? Money be- can become an idol. Success. Uh, you know, we can strive to be successful. And that becomes uh, I- idolatry. And, and see, often idols and, and the things that are often good, good things, often those things that, that God has given us, um, but sometimes it's about they become these things where we misdirect our devotion. And, and, and so they become this kind of idol. And you see, the biggest problem with idols is they always enslave their worshippers. They always enslave their worshippers. And so often what happens is we give ourselves to things. We give ourselves to things that we, we, we devote ourselves them, to them, and, and we find they never quite deliver what they promised. They never quite... It never quite achieved what we... We hope for. And you see, what happens is, is, um, is when our work becomes an idol, when we, when we invest in our work in such a way that, 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 that eventually we realize it's not paying off. You know, no one on their deathbed ever said, I wish I'd spent more time in the office. <laughs> did they? No one, no one ever did that. But the reality is, is that when we give ourselves to those sorts of things, we can um, be found wanting. We can be found that these, don't, these things don't deliver. They don't set out what they promise. The movie Fight Club opens with these lines. It says, you're not your job. You're not how much money you have in the bank. You're not the car you drive. And you're not the content of your wallet. And I'm just going to finish the quote there. Uh, um, if you don't know what I mean, watch the film. It's an amazing film. Um, you see, our identity is found in Christ and Christ alone. And it's from our sense of worth and identity being found in him that we bring meaning to our work. Okay? Rather than trying to find meaning from our work. See, we, we, we come to work already knowing our self-worth in Jesus rather than looking to work to define us, you know when we first planted um, we planted this church, I, I trained as a graphic designer and um, I'd worked freelance, I'd worked for a number of different companies, um, and I was trying to freelance, and I just couldn't get enough work. And so um, just to have some stability, just to have a regular income. Um, I became a white van man, and um, I had the task of delivering lubricants and aerosols across the Midlands. Uh, to be honest, it wasn't a job that I loved. I didn't find it very fulfilling. It wasn't particularly impressive. You know, when you're meeting new people, um, uh, they have an assumption about white van-, van men. I don't know if you've... Maybe you've got an assumption about white van men. Um, and, um, but it wasn't very impressive, you know, to say, this is what I'm doing. Uh, and that really bothered me. And I, I really had to kind of deal with my sense of identity uh, in the midst of that. And so I had to really work hard to remind myself of who I am in Christ. Who he had called me to be. That my sense of worth of and identity wasn't wrapped up in my job. It, it, it wasn't even wrapped up in being a church planter. It was that actually my worth and identity had to be found in the fact that he loved me, that he was for me, that he's made me a brand new creation, that, that he is transforming my life. That's where my worth had to be found. And you see, if we're going to get this work thing right, if we're, if we're going to approach work in a, in a healthy way, then we have to get our identity right. We have to get the identity thing right. You see, our identity isn't in what isn't in what we do, but it's who we are. Another unhealthy approach that we can have to work, and this is particularly um, for good church folks like you, um, is that we can uh, approach... Uh, we can tr- approach work in, in, in an opposite extreme. And so we can, we can think the only important work uh, is full-time Christian work or some kind of full-time Christian ministry. And so the person who thinks like that sees anything else as meaningless or a means to an end. And so what happens is that these kind of people think, who think this way, they will never really engage their best in their job because they fail to see its importance. So the important stuff is when I become the youth pastor. Or the important stuff is, is, is when I become the worship leader. Or, or when I get paid to do this ministry. And, and that thing I do, you know, 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. Well, that's not really that important. That's not. It pays the bills. But actually, God's going to release me into full-time service. But that isn't what this passage says, is it? It says, it says in verse 6, Obey them not only to win their favour when their eyes are on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord. You see, the truth is, as followers of Jesus, all of us are called to full-time ministry. Now, some of us might derive a salary from doing church stuff, but that doesn't change the fact that every single one of us who are believers are called to some sort of full-time ministry. You know, Tammy and I, for the last 17 years, have been planting and leading churches. We've planted two churches in that time. Uh, we've led countless ministries and groups uh, in the life of the church, And and in 17 years of church ministry, I've been full-time for four years. And and it's not a sense of like, oh, now now we've arrived or anything like that. It just means our church has got to a stage where it needs to release me and others to to support what's going on, to to facilitate what God is doing. But that doesn't make my job or any of the church staff... Jobs more important uh, than yours, it's simply the job I have. It's simply the job that they have. And so we're all called to work well at whatever we do, in whatever season of our life we're in. John Wimber used to say, old orders are good orders until you get new orders. Now that doesn't mean to say that we, look f- we can't look for a new job, we can't pursue a new career. But what it does say is that right now, what you're doing, where God has you, is the best place for you. That God would give us the ability to serve in our workplaces as if we're serving Him. And so, our task, I believe, is to be the best employees we can be, to honor our workplaces and do it in such a way as if we're working for the Lord. Interestingly, um, the Old Testament word for work is actually the same word as worship. It's a Hebrew word, which is abadah. And it first appears in Genesis 2.15. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. See, God's original design and desire is that work and worship would be seamless. It would be a seamless way of living. And so often we think worship is something we do on Sunday and work is something we do on Monday. But that's so far removed from God's design and God's desire for us. That this, this idea of work and worship, Avadar suggests that our work can be a, a part of worship. It can, it can form our worship. It, that our work is a place where we honour God and we serve our neighbours, where we get to fulfil the commands, you know, love God, love one another, that, that sort of thing. And it actually means there's no biblical basis for full-time uh, Christian ministry. Because it implies that, that if we're not full-time, we can do it part-time. But actually, it's, it's all full-time, isn't it? We're all in ministry full-time. And so we don't stop serving Jesus just because tomorrow we're going to go and work in a shop. We don't stop working for Jesus just because we're going to go and pick goods in a warehouse for the next 40 hours. We don't stop serving and working for Jesus because we've got 12 or so nappies to change in a day. God sees work very differently to us, doesn't he? He sees uh, what we do as both worship and work, worship and service to him. And the promise is, is that we'll be rewarded. There's a reward for those who see work in this way. In verse 7, it says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know the Lord will reward each one of you, whatever good they do. And you see, when we start to think that way, when we start to recalibrate how we see our place in our work environment, it might help with the Sunday night blues, maybe, You know, just choosing to think differently about how we approach work. It might shape how we do our job. You know, if we think that what I do is like I'm working for Jesus, do we still cut corners? Do we, you know, clock off early if we can? Do we spend that extra time chatting in the staff room? You know, do we cut corners? Do we do those things? Or do we choose to work to the best possible standard? Because we're working for the Lord. And see, everything we do in our working environments, according to the scriptures, has eternal reward. It It has a reward for us. And so here's one final thought before I get some friends to come up. You see, when we find life in a work, when we, when we uh, correct our understanding of work, when we realize the significance of what we do and the contribution it makes, when we fully grasp all of that, I, I believe it spills it something out of us. It, it, it changes the environments that we enter into. And you see, the life that we carry as followers of Jesus... Eventually needs to bring life to others. You see, the heart of our mission and vision as a church is, is to bring life to our city, that we want to see life in every form take place. And I, I, and I just want to make the audacious claim this morning that we can simply bring life to our city by being the best employee we can be. We can bring life to our city by being the best boss we can possibly be. We can be the, bring life to our city by being the best contractor or cleaner or teacher or van driver or plumber or electrician or banker, maybe not, uh, or charity worker or designer. You see, we're called to bring life to the environments that we inhabit but if we work in such a way where we cut corners and we're not really you know, giving it our full potential because one day God's got something special for me, what does that actually say? What does that say to our city? What does that say to the people that you work with? You see, we're called to be people who bring transformation and we do that simply by being ourselves and being the best version of ourselves in our working environments. And so we want to be people who are fully alive in order to bring life. And obviously, the place to start doing that is probably the place where we we spend a large part of our time. And so I just want to challenge us this week to think about our work differently, that maybe reconsider and recalibrate how we've, we've wrapped our identity up in what we do, that we've, we've kind of allowed the stresses and the, and the challenges of work to rob us of who it is we're really working for, that we're working for the Lord, that we're giving our best to him, regardless of who our boss is and what he says and, and what it's like, that we're working for him. And so to finish up, I've just invited some friends to come and share a little bit about... Their work. So um, if you guys want to come, we've got some seats for you. Um, wherever you like. There's, the danger seat is just there. <laughs> A bit squished but we're here uh, there's a microphone just there um you might you might remember we've we've done this kind of thing before you know we've done this like this time tomorrow what you're going to be doing we've done that sort of thing um but i just thought i just ask these guys to uh tell us about who they are to start with and what they do so you can go first if you like
1: so i'm susie I work for um, CTC, which is a charity, Christian charity in Northampton that works with offenders at any stage of the criminal justice system. So that's men, women, and young people, and that's whether they're in custody, prison, community, on probation, what have you. And probably the more um, frontward-facing um, side of it is the Good Loaf Cafe, which is um, the trading arm of the charity, which people might know more.
2: So I'm David. I work for World Vision. I don't know if you've heard of World Vision. It's a Christian charity, international works with vulnerable children around the world. And we help with uh, education, healthcare, protecting the children, uh, but also helping them to participate uh, and express an opinion and and be actors in the world around them. So I have the best bit of that because I oversee a team that oversees or looks after the, the programming side, so the money that's entrusted to us In the UK, my team looks after, make sure it's spent well, and we see the impact of what we do on the ground.
3: Uh, I'm Philip. Um, I've I've worked for the last uh, two years for St Andrew's Healthcare. I'm uh, one of the chaplaincy team. I look after uh, adolescents uh, and uh, adult males with uh, autistic spectrum disorder. Uh, Mainly in Northampton, I go two days a week to Mansfield in Nottinghamshire, where we have a small hospital there. I've been uh, an Anglican uh, ordained minister for 25 years, so I've done a couple of hospital chaplaincy jobs as as well as working as a vicar in the community. Um, Before before that, I was 10 years uh, a civil servant at the the Department of Energy, so I had quite a radical uh, change of path.
0: (laughs) And Philip has also lowered himself to the lunatic fringe that is the vineyard, so... um, uh, (laughs) He's defected from being an Anglican.
3: Uh, Steady, I can. Uh... Um, John.
4: Hi, I'm John. Uh, I work for a California-based tech startup called Tommy Tribe. Uh, I'm a senior software engineer for them, um, working on a couple of different products. So um, one of the things I work on is a security product, uh, which basically secures data as it goes from mobile devices to customers' own servers, and also an application server, which probably doesn't mean too much to, to everybody here, but that's kind of a building block that people will use to build applications for anything that their, that their business uh, wants to use it for.
0: Mm-hmm. So why don't um, some of you tell us, you don't all have to answer this question, but what, what, what currently excites you about your role and what you do?
2: <laughs> 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 well, it's just, I'm, uh, My parents were missionaries. I grew up in Brazil, um, and they always used to have be pastors in these little outback churches and the most rural, poorest places. And uh, I kind of grew up in that environment. And what I really love about my job is that uh, I don't see it as, as helping people over there. You know, I I grew up with those people. It's uh, those those people represent my friends, <laughs> uh, part of my. My history, my background. So my job is really uh, enabling me to live out something that, that is actually me. Uh, so that question of identity that you, <laughs> that you raise, uh, there's a bit of that in there for me which really excites me. So every time I go out to see some stuff and, and see the difference that we're making, mm. it just reminds me of, of who I am and, and how God made me. Anyone else? Um,
3: and Just an illustration, really. On, on Christmas Day... I went, to see, uh, some, well, I went around all the wards that I go and visit in, in the week. And um, I was really, really moved. The, the, the young people said to me, oh, are you coming to work on Christmas Day? I said, well, you know, if Jesus was in Northampton on Christmas Day, do you think he'd be one of the big big churches? Uh, or do you think he'd, uh, he'd come and be with you? And, and they totally got it. They said, no, he'd, he'd be with us.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I went with, uh, we've got a, an intern... Uh, called Tom. We went to one of the, the boys' uh, wards on Christmas morning. And um, just in the in the bedroom corridor, one or two of you know exactly where I'm where I mean. um, in. Uh, this lad, he's 18, he said, um, uh, can we sing Good Good Father? You know that song? We sing it here, don't we? <laughs> don't know what you're doing on Christmas Day, but I was singing on the boys' ward with this lad. You know, I've got an iPod and you can scroll through the lyrics. I was I was in tears because this lad was singing, you know i'm loved by you that's that's who i am i wasn't in it wasn't in church, but it was church, if you see what I mean mm. because we, were, we we were the people of God, mm. and the sense of god's presence in this grotty smelly <laughs> at times is very, very difficult and hurting environment and I was in tears because that's a sense of, of God's presence and that can be anywhere can't it where you where you work or, mm. or I work where we worship and it's got you know God fills the earth that's just beautiful mm. anyone
2: else John two, three,
1: three. Um, I think for me over the last um, year or so especially i um, having the good loaf there's been the opportunity to really work with people that like really work alongside them literally like clear tables do dishwasher whatever it is so it's not like interviewing people in a very kind of traditional way of you know like in a probation office okay now what have you done and how do you feel about that but you're just actually doing life with people and in that relationship can be built and I think for me the most exciting thing is that we do have the opportunity now to actually do life with people and build a relationship which is so important and um, you know it's in those in that relationship that you can empower you can encourage people really and they really take it on board but at the same time you can also challenge people and they'll also come to you and you know when, when they've got those difficult decisions to make so I think it's really you know what's been really exciting for us is having the opportunity to really be relational in in what we do mm. oh,
4: uh, one of my favorite things about my job is to uh, go out and talk to various different people so I get to go to I get to go to different conferences uh, talk to people about um, what sort of things that they're that they 're doing uh, when they 're building applications that they might uh, use our software for um, and talking to the different customers about what they do um, and it 's quite amazing to see the, the the sort of the range of different things that people do so it 's not just e-commerce sites or anything like that we've got people who, who use it to uh, manage their work um, which m- might be putting um, their devices out uh, that provide light and uh, ways of powering mobile phones out in, out in Africa to places where they can't actually get connected to an electricity grid for example mm. um, so that's the kind of the thing that uh, excites me most about my job cool
0: okay, maybe one or two you can answer this question but um what does it, what, you know, we talked about um, the best way we can serve in our roles, in our jobs, is to be the best employee we can, to, to work hard, to not cook corners. What, what does that, maybe just one or two of you, just what does that look like to work to the best of your ability? How do you do that? How do you get that balance right? Rob, Rob.
1: LAUGHTER
0: it's an interesting
2: question, actually, because I used to think the answer to that was to work really hard and put in loads of extra hours uh, and almost kill myself trying to do as much as I could. Um, as time has gone on, I realize that the answer is more and more to, to be myself and to use the gifts that I have, other than to try and be something I'm not. You know, so I found that uh, when I'm most fulfilled is when I'm actually bringing myself to the job. and. And God is the wind in my sails, you know. When I try and do things through my own strength, by putting in the extra hours and all the other stuff, I usually kind of crash and burn. Mm. And you guys?
1: I think for me, um, one of the the underlying things, and I say it often at work, is what happens in the shadows is just as important as what happens in the light. And regardless of if anybody's watching you or not, God knows. And... um, and, you know, it's just to act with integrity and all of that stuff when no-one's watching, as well as when you have a whole whole crowd of people watching.
0: Hmm. And then we also talked about um, how our, our jobs are shaping our environments, you know, shaping the city or the communities that we're involved in, or even shaping our world for, 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 for some of us. Uh, not all of us get to work for an NGO, but, um, you know... Um, but how how do you feel like your the, the job or the role that you fulfill is is bringing transformation to our city or to the communities or the the world at large? wants to go with that one
3: a um, couple of th- couple of things really first uh, for me i, I my, my job working as a as a, a Christian employed to be a Christian in the hospital uh, tells me that um, <laughs> You know the church's mission is at, is out there um, and uh, Jesus said it's as you go you know, you heal sick, raise the dead, cast out demons I'm not sure I do a great deal of of that, but it's out it's out there you know that we we gather together in church, we call it going to church you know on a Sunday, but actually ministry mission is 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 out there and 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 the second thing for me really. You know, I, I I do love the vineyard and its history and its and I and I've been so blessed in different parts of the country and the world indeed by and and the thing that, that is so central to the vineyard is, is the emphasis and rediscovery of the of the healing ministry. But working in St Andrews, I'm really challenged uh, and try and work with others to work. You know, t- I've been mean, to so many healing conferences and church services where you know. Uh, there's an emphasis on physical healing, but people with mental illness, what does does healing mean uh, for for them, for us? (laughs) And I think that's that's a really, really important area. And thirdly, if I may just quickly, when I mentioned I was a a civil servant for 10 years, it was a a huge change to move away from Whitehall and London and a fat salary, uh, to train for the Anglican Ministry, and and to give up security and, and but God has taught me over the years that that's a that's a, a constant uh lesson particularly to give up uh, status and security when I moved to St Andrews a, a pastor friend of mine in Rushton I was a vicar in Rushton the pastor of the full gospel church said mm, it's a long way from Westminster <laughs> and I find security in in being in charge and and taking decisions and having the status, being respected. And yet in, in all our work, we're called to be people who sacrifice and give up because uh, you know, Jesus did not count equality with God thing to be grasped, but he, he emptied himself, didn't he? And for us to empty ourselves in work, not through exhaustion, but to give up the security of status, I find to be an ongoing and, and big, big challenge. Thank um, you.
4: I'm working for a, working for a Californian company, it's uh, a little bit of a challenge to find ways to uh, uh, do things within the within the community here. But I'm very lucky that I get uh, some flexibility with what I do. So um, one of the things that I that I do every week is actually go out to a primary school and actually teach children how to how to code. So I run a, a club that's for children that's. Uh, seven, seven to eleven-year-olds, uh, teaching them how to how to get started um, using a using a programming language called Scratch, and that's a, that's a, that's a very big highlight of my week. Um, one of the other things that I've been able to do is uh, I'm very lucky that the uh, Restore have asked me to come and work on some computer systems for them in order to in order to help people coming to visit the the, the food bank, for example, so we can actually track everything that's that's going on there and, and uh, Measuring the, the, the work that they do within the community, so um, you know it's it's very nice that, that I'm able to be involved
0: with that. Mm. And you two you don't don't have to both answer. That's, that's fine. <laughs> they don't make a difference. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just won't start on um, the impact of reducing reoffending and blah blah blah. because we'll be here for a while, so okay. yeah. <laughs> cool.
0: Well, um, we have reached the end. Why don't you give these guys a big round of applause? <laughs>